Welcome to Watch Out, the horror movie review podcast with the really long name, but we love it, it's ours. And welcome to episode 002. In case you're a new listener, and you might well be because it's only episode 2, the goal for our podcast is to provide you with spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for both recent films and horror classics. I am Jason the Terrible, broadcasting from Ottawa, Ontario, and I am joined from Vancouver, BC by Grave Robber Jeff. Good evening. And Slice and Dice and Dave. I don't, I don't really think the name of our podcast is that long, to be fair. But um, hey, everyone, welcome to episode two. So we're coming off our first episode where we talked about our top five most influential movies when we were kids. If you haven't listened to that one yet, we highly recommend you check it out. It gives you a little insight into us as people and why you might want to listen to us or not. I think that's important when you're checking out a new podcast. So myself, I've watched a lot of horror movies. I've also tried to listen to a lot of horror movie podcasts. How about you, Grave Robber Jeff? We were talking a little bit before we started recording this podcast. Uh, I think it's important for the listeners to understand that you know you're enth- you're an enthusiastic horror fan, but you you probably haven't seen as many horror movies as a lot of the the other enthusiastic horror fans. So, what do you think you bring to the table as part of the Watch Out Horror Review Podcast. I guess I bring a, a perspective that doesn't have a lot of baggage, I'll say that. Because, Ooh, good point. Uh, I, I did watch a lot of mu- movies when I was younger, but there's probably a big gap the last decade or so. haven't watched as many. That was why this podcast was a bit more exciting, because it'll get, whoa, I can start watching some more movies and like, make myself watch them. Because, you know, people get busy, you know? And uh, it's hard to fit in all these things as you get more responsibilities in life. I'm, I'm sure if and when we get some feedback from our listening audience, uh, they'll probably point out a few movies that you should be watching too. So this is a two-way street, everybody. You know, We're trying to bring some entertaining and informative movie reviews to you. And you're going to be giving us feedback about you know whether we know what we're talking about or not. So... A lot of the times, we don't know what we're talking about. But we know that we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so come on, guys. Don't take us too seriously. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at watchouthorror at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at watchouthorror. Slicen, I think you even have a, a personal Twitter that you, that you wanted to share. I do. You can follow me. I don't have anything on it regarding pictures or info or anything, but it's at Slice and Dice and Dave. Uh, I'd I'd love to see you on Twitter. I'll I'll follow you back. Slice and Dice and Dave works on film sets for a career. He's a grip. I'm a key grip. Thank you very much. No, it is fun being uh, on a film set, and my love of horror movies and uh, Jim Carrey uh, is what brought me into wanting to to make films as a living. Not that I actually make them, but I'm part of making them, if that makes sense. Well, it's always an ensemble effort to to make movies and make TV shows. I mean, it's not just one guy, right? You got that right, terrible. 
says, hey, I've got four days of filming left, guys. And then I finished my first ever season as a full key, key grip. Can you believe that? But then what, they have to pick you up for the next season? Yes, I've already been asked back. Can you believe that? I've been asked back to a CBS-produced show. So I was successful this season. Isn't that awesome? I'm super happy about that. I would have assumed that, that my... had you been unsuccessful, you would have been fired right away. That's true. And they did fire a couple people throughout the season. So pretty happy. It's been great, man. I love being in the film business. Oh, man. My uh, dolly grips worked on 50 Stages of Fright with Sam Raimi. I'm friggin' pissed off. Oh, and they did The Boy 2. And I could have worked on Sonic the Hedgehog second unit this season. And I could have worked with Jim Carrey. But I was doing this. Isn't that hard? I would have worked with him. I would have seen him in real life. But they say don't work with your idols or don't meet your idols, one or the other. I could just imagine. I'd go up to him and be like, oh, Jim, I love you so much. He'd be like, get the fuck out of you're so unprofessional. That's what happened to one of these guys at uh, work one time. He was a big fan of a dude from the show The Warriors or whatever. And so that one day he wore his like, warrior shirt and went up to him and said, Hey, man, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. Can you sign this jacket I got? And he was like, Do you know how unprofessional that is? Get out of here. <laughs> He's like this guy that loves him so much and like he gets ripped apart. I could just imagine Jim Carrey doing that to me. So that's why that's why I would never do it. And then I would regret not doing it. So not working with them is probably the best way to go. Because if I worked with them, I saw him and I'd be like, oh my God, I saw him. But then I'd always regret not saying something to him. But then if you did say something to him and he treated you like horseshit, it would be the worst thing to ever happen to you. So, so I, don't think I, I don't think I should work with Jim Carrey even though that was my goal in life. And I could have done it. But anyway. There you go, fellas. Awesome. All right, well, have we got a show for you this time? We've got the movie VFW coming up as our feature review. But I think we are going to start episode two with an episode of Jason the Terrible's DVD Dungeon. Jason the Terribles, DVD Dungeon. All right, everybody, as I mentioned before, Jason the Terribles DVD Dungeon will be my attempt to dig into my overly large DVD and Blu-ray collection. This is one that I found at CD Warehouse in Ottawa, Ontario. This was awesome fun to go into these stores and buy used DVDs and CDs. They don't exist anymore because the world is much sadder now. I picked this one up. I had heard about it. It's very different. It's very strange. A lot of people don't like it, but it's got cult classic written all over it. And this one is called Repo, the Genetic Opera from 2008. So this is a post-apocalyptic movie, but the apocalypse was a rash of organ failures that opened the door for megacorporation GeneCo to provide high-cost organ transplants on layaway plans. However, whenever the recipients of these organs are unable to make their payments, GeneCo employs their repo men to immediately and graphically recover their property. This is a musical, but it is actually a horror opera. 
as the title suggests. And as the director, Darren Lim Bowsman, reminds us in the DVD special features. So, my friends, no words in this movie are spoken. They're all sung. This movie started off as a 10-minute stage play that turned into a musical that played in New York for just over a month in 2005. And, th- and this was directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who went on to do the first three Saw sequels. So he did Saw 2, II, Saw 3, and Saw 4. And after he did that, he got uh, some sway with the movie industry. So he, he was able to do a project that he really wanted to do, which was to bring this stage musical to the big screen. Now, the guy who plays the Repo Man, this is Anthony Stewart Head playing this role. And, and for those fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you will know him as Giles the librarian and i gotta say he can really sing and the i mean the dvd extras they have a pretty cool audition segment in there i never did see the musical episode of buffy the vampire slayer but i guess he rocked that too paul sorvino stars as roddy largo the the head of the gene co corporation and his three children are played by paris hilton nivik ogre and Bill Mosley. And yes, they all sing. And yes, Paris Hilton was won a Razzie Award for Worst Performance in this movie. This movie also stars Alexa Panavega as Shiloh, the Repo Man's daughter, as well as Sarah Brightman, who has uh, actually been a star of several musicals in her life. She's done Cats and Phantom of the Opera and was briefly married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, and and even Joan Jett shows up in an uncredited role. And so, yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. There's more than one catchy song in here, and the visuals are, are quite amazing. It's, well, it's it's all based on comic book imagery, and, and even the, the little vignettes that explain the backstories of all the characters, they're all done in a comic book graphic novel format, which is kind of cool. There is a lot of graphic gore in it, including a scene where after the Repo Man has retrieved the large intestine that was transplanted into this guy who couldn't pay his bills, he reaches up to use the guy as a, as a puppet during the song that he's singing. And this, this is the kind of movie this is. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it is pretty graphic. All right, now the biggest problem with this movie, though, is unfortunately the storyline. There are a whole lot of characters involved here and the relationships between all of them are incredibly complex and it's just, it's really hard to follow. It's very weird. I think I'm going to rate this one a 5 out of 10 because it was ambitious in what it was trying to do. It just maybe didn't do it as well as it should have. I recommend this one for a a one-time viewing at least. It is something you should check out, because if you do like it, you're really going to like it. Very strange movie. Have you guys heard of this one? I sure have there, uh, Jason the Terrible. I own it myself. And funnily enough, I worked with Alexa Vega on a movie, and I brought it up with her. Super sweet gal, Alexa Vega. Isn't the film business awesome? Because I think I just watched it, like, maybe a year earlier than that. And that was the only time I watched it. It didn't really stick with me as much as uh, I was hoping. But I did. I mean, it was enjoyable and likable. But I haven't watched it since, so maybe that tells you something. Well, you know, musical horror movies, why the hell not, eh? You know I, what I'm saying? I think the world needs more musical horror movies. It is good what it... Like I said, it was good what it tried to do. It's just 
too many characters, too many spider webby relationships between all of them, and not not a really good resolution of all the storylines. Because when you think about it, if you're singing everything, it's really hard to get fine details across, right? Like That's you, true, yeah. you're trying to advance a story, but you got to go into the chorus again, you know. So, <laughs> did you did you watch that one with me, uh, Grave Robin Jeff? No, Grave I've Robin never Jeff? seen that. I have never seen that movie. Although it does sound like an intriguing idea. As, as soon as I heard it was a musical, I thought, well, how could that possibly work? So now I'm kind of curious to see how they, how they did it. Great, Robin Jeff, <laughs> you can borrow my copy anytime. All right. All right, everybody. That was my DVD dungeon pick for episode two. Thank you very much. And how about you, Grave Robber Jeff? Have we got a fresh dig or what? We do. We have a fresh dig this week. Grave Robert Jeff's Fresh Dig. I'm curious if you guys have, have seen or heard of this movie. It's from actually the same year as The Repo Man, 2008. A movie called Autopsy. Nice. Have you, have you guys heard of this movie? I'm going to tell you my story about Autopsy after you I tell f- us. I, f- I think I have the Blu-ray. I don't know if I've seen it or not, though. Now this is an this is an after dark horror fest movie, is it not? It is. It is. Is there an autopsy um, two? That I don't know. All I know is autopsy one. So this this movie, uh, I'll just read the synopsis right now. A cross country road trip for recent grads takes a dark turn when an accident brings them to an isolated Louisiana hospital where danger lurks. Ooh, danger. All right, so this one stars uh, Jessica Lowndes as the lead gal, Emily. And people may know her from the reboot of 90210, which I did not see. So she's part of a group of friends that, that party at Mardi Gras. And uh, they get a bit tipsy. They end up in kind of a car crash somewhere in the middle of Louisiana. Luckily, an ambulance shows up randomly to check on them. And they recommend to be transported to the hospital for observation. And it's definitely a creepy place. There's a there's a head nurse there played by Jeanette Goldstein of, of Aliens fame, if you guys remember her. Oh, yeah. So the, the group of friends is in the hospital. They're still kind of figuring out what's going on. Emily's boyfriend, he's in the, the worst shape of all of them. So he gets taken away to the examination room. And eventually, Emily needs to, to meet with the doctor to uh, see how he, how he is. And who comes out to greet her but the T-1000 himself, Robert Patrick, who plays uh, Dr. Benway. Apparently, he's been in a, a lot of uh, B-style horror movies, but this is the first one, other than Terminator 2, that I saw him in, so that was interesting. And after that point, there's a lot of craziness that goes on. Uh, so a couple of things about this movie. I found it had some elements of, of Hostel. You guys remember the Hostel series from the 2000s? I sure and, do, Grave Robber. Yeah. So it's not just torturing people for the sake of it. There's a reason behind the madness. And I have to say that uh, the acting overall is, is fairly decent for a, for a lower budget film. Now, there is a bit of, a, what do they call them, tropes, where, where it's a haunted hospital. Well, it's like a scary hospital. The hallways are super dark, everything's creepy. So if you like those sorts of movies, this one definitely delivers there. And there's some random creepy patients that show up with, with interesting t- 
tidbits that they add to the story. But one thing that was kind of good was, was there's a couple of good jump scares in there that got me. So I don't know if you, if you like that sort of thing. Some people might find them predictable. I did not find a couple of them predictable, so it got me pretty good. And there and there's just a couple of really good scenes in there. One in particular that I had never really seen anything like before. And it's something that it's hard to explain, but you just got to see it. Even if you don't really like the movie at the beginning, there are a couple of points in there that, that really make you go, hmm. <laughs> and I'll say that on the bad side of the spectrum, that there wasn't a lot of character development, which seems to be a, a theme with, with these types of horror movies. The car accident happens pretty much five minutes into the show, like right after the credits. So the only kind of background you get is in the credits during that, that opening sequence. So you don't really get a chance to get attached to these guys very well. As far as the ending was concerned, it, it was almost good, but not quite. It was almost good. There was a couple things that, that just didn't quite add up in the end, in my opinion. But if you like some pretty uncomfortable violence, there's a lot in this, this movie. There's, there's some uncomfortable violence. That if you're a fan of the Hostel movies, then, then you'll probably like this one for, for some of the stuff they do in there. And I don't give a lot of 10 out of 10s in any sort of category, but for the gore category in this one, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Because just as oh things kept adding... Oh my god! Things kept adding up, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> so there you go. I was like, oh yeah, I gotta give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, That's but overall, be a real gory movie. Holy smokes! But then overall, though, because I'm not, I'm not really a fan of, of the super brutality type stuff. I gave it a five and a half out of ten, just because there was, there was enough creativity in there to make it interesting to watch. You watched this one on Tubi, did you? Tubi, Tubi indeed. All right, well, because I have the After Dark Horror Fest three DVD set. At this point, I've watched five of the eight including autopsy and i didn't ah. i didn't mind it I, I liked it um in terms of what i was expecting i don't know what i was expecting but it was the first one of the eight that i watched i was almost going to bring this up as one of my picks so it's kind of funny that you did first i remember the ending being quite interesting you know let's not talk about the endings here fellas come on now spoiler free here i have not seen this movie and jeffrey or sorry grave robber jeff you have piqued my interest and i may just watch out for autopsy do you see what i did there i said watch out as as in watch out the horror movie podcast and for autopsy so i will be looking into that thank you jeff you've piqued my interest yeah because there's even like a little flavor of of reanimator in there if you like that kind of movie i do just a little flavor not like a lot all right, Slicen, I think it's time for an episode of your segment, Bring It On. Slicen, Dyson, Dave, Screamin', Stream Sacco. Welcome, everybody, to Slicen, Dyson, Dave's Screaming Stream Sack of Nightmares. This week, I reached deep into the Scream Sack, or even the Stream Sack, one or the other, but I came up with something. I came up with a movie. This movie just happens to be from 2018. 14 cameras. <laughs> so I watched it in its entirety, and as I went to look into some stuff regarding it on the, on the internet, I realized it was a sequel. I did not know it was a sequel to a movie. So look at that. You can watch it without even knowing there was a first one to it. 
The first one was called 13 cameras. Can you believe that? That Anyhow, makes sense. <laughs> this one is called 14 cameras. And I tell you what, basically, oh, geez, let me, let me do a little short synopsis, which, uh-oh, isn't very long, so that it's going to have to leave me to talk about a little more. When a family of five rent a beautiful house for their sam- summer vacation, the price seems too good to be true. Is that all you got for me, Internet Movie Database? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hold on. Oh, here we go. There's a, there's a little more on letterbox, letterbox. When a family of four... <laughs> hold on, was it four or five? Holy shit. This one says five, but this one says four. Let me try to figure out how many people were in that family. One, two... Ah, it was a family of four. Internet Movie Database, you got to sort yourself out here. When a family of four rent a beautiful house for their summer vacation, the price seems too good to be true. Unbeknownst to them, the last vicious owner has set up a series of spy cams throughout the house, documenting their most intimate moments and live-streaming them to the dark web. That's right, everybody. He's not the only one watching. 14 Cameras, directed by Seth Fuller and Scott Hewson. From 2018. So 14 cameras, yes. As you can tell by the uh, the short synopsis from Letterboxd, it's quite a creepy, kind of unsettling type movie. Um, it started off and I, it didn't really get me into it very quickly, but I'd say by the uh, hour mark, I was uh, really in- interested in it. There's, there's quite a bit going on actually uh there's a couple other storylines mushed into about three decent storylines but yeah the basic gist of it is uh people friggin you know setting up cameras when you go to vacation houses and how the hell do you know if that hasn't happened to you that's terrifying um so it kind of shows them how he does it how he sets it up onto the uh dark web how many people end up watching uh what kind of freaks are are watching and this this and that um, the acting was pretty good. The it wasn't like Oscar worthy by any chance, but it didn't take away from it. I thought the characters were good. I I liked most of them. There's one or one that I didn't care for, uh, and then the main freak type character was the uh, the guy who was named Gerard, Gerald uh, Neville Archambault. Funnily enough, from Thirteen Cameras. Can you believe that? So not only was he in 13 cameras, he was in 14 cameras. Uh, he was a very good uh, actor and freak. And, and uh, <laughs> I can only imagine, like, the solo movie, he's sitting there watching his screen, and he's got this horribly dis- just creepoid face going, <gasps> and I'm just, like, sitting there going, I guarantee you that's what I look like when I'm playing video games. Because <laughs> uh, I'm just so into, into what I'm doing. But no, he pulls off a really good uh, freaky dude there. I guess um, though his pres- his presence in fourteen cameras is a minor spoiler for thirteen cameras, I would imagine. Well, there you go. I can only imagine. I mean, I haven't seen thirteen cameras, but I, my my estimation is that he survives at the end. So sorry, everybody. How can that be a spoiler-free thing if I haven't seen it? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe this guy in this fourteen cameras is some sort of resurrection or a who knows, man. Who knows? That's true. Anyway, and, and really, the question that we all want to know is what happened in the first movie that made him decide he needed one extra camera? Yeah, man. Jeez, that's a lot of cameras. 
is this a found footage movie? Because it seems like this would be a good premise for a found footage movie. No, obviously it uh, shows uh, certain cameras that are set up, but it's uh, it's filmed with a regular film crew. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and like I say, there's a couple different storylines, so it's not just him sitting there creeping on this family. There's there's a little more to it, which is nice. I won't really get into uh, the other storylines, but uh, but there's a, there's enough meat in this movie that it was pretty interesting, and and the payoffs are good, and and yeah, it really got me interested, and I start I I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, there's some violence, not too much gore, a little bit gore here and there, some violence. I think there's some uh, nudity in it as well, and. Um, Almost has know. to be I, with that premise. Yeah, it's not like uh, over the top or anything. It's just it's just really creepy, man. It's a real uneasy type film. I don't like the idea of, uh, you know, some freak like that watching you. <laughs> so anyway, and then other, there's twists and turns throughout the whole thing, and it's uh, pretty interesting. I'd suggest you watch it. I watched it on uh, Tubi, as a matter of fact, my favorite streaming service. I shouldn't say that because I like a lot of streaming services. But Tubi is phenomenal if you like this type of horror movie. Anywho, 14 cameras. Um, I, I liked it. I gave it a you know a 6 out of 10 um, because I kind of liked the la- latter half of the business. It, it kind of took a good turn, interesting turn. So I like that. But it doesn't look like critics or people alike agreed with me. If you head over to the old Rotten Tomatoes, it's only got a 22% tomato meter so it doesn't sound like very many people liked it but i did so there you go what do you think would you would you watch it on my recommendation fellas well now that i know it exists i might check out 13 cameras i'd watch 14 first because why the hell not and now watch out for our feature presentation all right everybody it's feature review time we're here to talk about V-F-W. It's Q&A time, kid. You see, the problem is that me and my old friends are probably going to die tonight unless you help us out to understand what's happening here. You steal us? Foz killed my sister, all right? This, though, it's all he's got his whole life. V-F-W. What is that? Veterans of foreign wars. Good. Soldiers are good at dying. There's only one satisfactory solution, and that is we get our product back, and each of you die. You are a soldier. So are we all. Let's act like it. We set a perimeter. We make our stand. You'll all die very, very slowly. You last. But what are we gonna do? Do it. Because you make a mistake. I'm gonna cut your heart out. The second you walked through that door, we were duty-bound to help you. Let's go. Anybody else want to come in my bar? To give you a bit of a synopsis here, VFW is a grindhouse-style, super-violent, super-gory adrenaline fest. It's got a simple storyline. Lizard, a young girl played by Sierra McCormick, steals a backpack's worth of new drug hype from a nasty gang leader named Boz, played by Travis Hammer of Independence Day Resurgence fame. 
Boz mobilizes his army of totally drugged out hypers to chase Lizard across the street where she attempts to hide in Fred Paris's VFW bar. Instead of enjoying a night of booze and strippers, Fred and his grizzled veteran friends feel honor-bound to protect the girl, and must channel their inner A-team to defend themselves against wave after wave of Boz's hyped-out cannon fodder. Does that about cover it, guys? Did I miss any intricate story points? Um, nope. <laughs> That's fairly accurate. We were talking a bit beforehand, you guys seem to really enjoy this, so what, what did you think, Slicen? Hey, man. Well, I tell you what, like, um, it, it had a real good feel to it, fellas. It felt like, a, you know, an 80s cult-type movie, or you, you brought up Grindhouse. It also kind of, like, it felt like a really, a much better quality Troma movie. You remember Troma? Those uh, garbage films that are awesome at the same time? <laughs> kind of felt like a garbage film, but it was awesome. And a little, uh, good, a little better quality and stuff. The actors were phenomenal. The old dudes, you know what I'm saying? I liked how they uh, they were all they were all in there sitting there having a good time just telling stories like being old and stuff. Kind of reminded me of like when my grandpa used to sit there and just say uh, you know tell stories and stuff. And don't get that anymore because our poor grandpas aren't uh, around anymore. So that was nice just being a part of some old dudes talking about stories. Just being a part of the guys, you know, the old guys. You know what I'm saying? Whatever they want to talk about, let's talk about because we're just a bunch of guys. You know what I'm saying? You get the sense that they were definitely good long-time friends, right? They're they're not all from the same wars, but they've been through war. They can only understand what each other has gone through because they've gone through it themselves. Grave Robber Jeff, your initial impressions? Well, yeah, I do have to agree with the group of old guys. is very likable in the way they interacted. I was happy to see the Cobra Kai guy make an appearance. What, what's the actor's name? The guy that played Lou, right? So that is Martin Cove? Martin Cove, I think that's right. But I was a bit surprised that he actually starred in Last House on the Left way back oh. when. He was the he was original? One, yeah. He was wow. well, wait a minute. It, yeah, it was the original. I mean, these are older actors, so it was the original. But he played one of the deputies. I I'm not sure if it was one of the Keystone Cop type deputies or not, but I saw he was in that movie along with Karate Kids Part 1, 2 and 3 and Death Race 2000. Anyway, sorry to cut you off there, Grave Robert. Go ahead. That's fine, no problem. But yeah, it was interesting cheering for that guy as a good guy for a change. Yeah, so I like the dynamics with the old guys. One thing I do have to say, though, because it's the old guys versus the punks, right? The punks across the street. And I have to say that the acting on the punk side was a bit underwhelming for me with the main punks. They didn't really hit very well for me like the old guys did on the other side. Well, there was no characterization. I would agree with you completely. But even then, like, the lines they had, I thought they were just delivered terribly. <laughs> They're all supposed to be doped out on this new drug, right? So maybe it, maybe, turns, you, maybe. Maybe it turns you into a bad actor. <laughs> Possibly. It's kind of a zombie siege movie when you think about it, you know? Like no, I mean yeah. There's there's tons of movies that uh, are like this. Like what are some of the movies like that? A bunch of people are kind of stuck in a in a building with either zombies or tremors or what the hell else? The mist. A bunch of shows with that uh, that you're stuck in a thing, right? Feast, feast, feast. That's the only. That's what I was thinking about the whole time, and I forgot to bring it up then. Son of a bitch, Jeff, you got me. But yes, it was. It reminded me of feast a lot as well. 
which is a great flick. I thought it was interesting, though, is specifically a zombie siege movie because they did send waves and waves of hyped-out druggies to attack this bar. They're acting just like zombies. And, you know, this movie was produced by Fangoria, and I didn't find it scary at all, actually. I'm, I'm sure you guys would agree with me on this one, but but it definitely was gory and super violent. I think that was the point of this, was just to be as in your face with all the weapons to the heads and everything like that. There's a shot of someone falling on a floor as the opening title card hits, and it's, you know, when if someone fell on a floor, I don't think that would happen, but it happens in this movie. You'll have to watch it to understand what I mean. But it, it it sets the tone for sure for the kind of movie that you're gonna watch and you gotta you gotta expect a lot of the red stuff to be flying around. Well I'll tell you what, when I when watching the flick, um I was kind of I was kinda of hoping for a little more substance in the movie. But then when I realized what was going on and, and what was gonna be happening, I just kind of I just kinda of did up my seatbelt and enjoyed the ride. And and I did. I sure did enjoy the ride. It, it turned out to be a very entertaining, enjoyable movie. Not much, uh, not much to it, we'll say. And uh, but it was very enjoyable. You know, it's just sometimes you just gotta watch a movie like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like for what it was, it's kind of like a standalone mini war movie in a way where two sides like duke it out and you see who's left at the end. Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling once. Because I was watching it saying, yeah, the acting's just not that great on that side, but who cares? It's just going to be a big brouhaha, and let's see what happens. And that's what it was. brouhaha it was, that's right. And it's funny because, like, the main bad guy, what's his name, Boz or whatever? Yep. I thought he was the the weeniest of the bad guys ever, <laughs> considering that he's, gonna, like, he's up against these friggin' grizzled-ass war vets that are just going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, oh, my God, what a weenie-ass dude. <laughs> So I thought it was kind of a good uh, casting, actually, because he kind of annoyed me. But then I'm like, well, you need a guy that'll annoy you like that because you want a friggin', you want him to get his comeuppance. You know what I'm saying? Is that what they say, comeuppance? I love any reference to even, no matter how oblique, I love references to A-Team and how they, they stand around the pool table and dump out all the all the stuff they have in the bar and try to make weapons out of it. Like, that's that's cool. It's just too bad it happened closer to the beginning of the movie and not the end. But I enjoyed that sequence. But if you start digging into the story, there's not much story there. If you start digging into the characters beyond the the grizzled veterans, there's there's not much characterization there. And if you start digging into what these characters' decisions are and what they're doing, it, it's a cardinal sin for me when movies have people making stupid decisions for no reasons. And there are a bunch of people making stupid decisions in this movie. If you analyze this almost in any way, it starts to fall apart. But just to give you an example of, of where the logic falls apart, when Lizard steals the drugs and... Spoiler! <laughs> When Lizard steals the drugs and runs out of the building, there's what? There's like a three, four minute montage of Boz getting on the PA to rally his troops and and send them after her. And it's like, in that time, she would have been long gone. They show her being pursued by this big group of druggies right hot on her heels as if she had been walking up to that point. The physics of the movie didn't didn't work out for me. Hey, here's a good interesting question that maybe we can discuss. Like, is it a horror movie? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Because, I mean, like, they're just, like, drug dudes going at, like, I don't know. It just seems like a kind of high-paced action gore fest grindhouse movie. Yeah, a siege movie. A lot of comparisons have been drawn to John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, interesting. Is it a horror movie? It it probably is only a horror movie because Fangoria produced it and because it's so full of, you know, dismembered stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. You know what I'm but yeah, like I said, it's not scary. It's shot like a horror movie. It's very dark. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but for the most part, it, it's it's lit by like deep reds and deep blues. It's it's like literally red, white, and blue, right? Pretty much as uh, as patriotic as you're gonna get. I did notice that, but I didn't put the red, white, and blue together. That's a pretty good observation, Jay. I did love the lighting. Yeah, I was just going to say I didn't like the lighting because it made it very you hard son of a to, bitch. Very, very hard to watch. Like I started off with some lights in the background and like I'm trying to see what's going on and I couldn't figure out like things are exploding, people are getting blasted and I couldn't see anything. So then I ended up having to turn off all the lights, like turn the TV brightness up a bit just to see what was going on. So that was one technical issue that I uh, had to deal with. And then the other technical issue is with the sound. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was always like this weird music being played like all the time almost, even while they were talking. And I just found it very distracting. Um, well, they were in a bar. It was probably the jukebox. A jukebox? It definitely was not a jukebox song. It was a, uh, a was soundtrack like, song. Like, you know, like just background stuff. It, and it was would have been fine if it wasn't all the time, but that was just something that, that bugged me a bit. So a couple of things that bugged me from a character perspective. The lizard jumps into this bar and, and these guys decide to defend her. She's She starts off as being one of the most unthankful brats you've ever seen. You know, she's not cooperating with them. She's not answering their questions. And then later in the movie, she's giving the main guy a pep talk about how to be a better leader and it's like she has no she has no credibility to be telling him what to do good god well did it work jay i don't know you'll have to watch to find out and then something else i found hilarious was that in a siege movie you're stuck inside right this siege seemed to have waves so after they dispatched the first wave they could pretty much freely walk around in the parking lot if they wanted to, until it became a bad idea again. Make up your mind. You're either stuck in the bar or you're not. You know, like, plan accordingly. Did we mention that George Wendt is in this movie? We have to go through some of these characters because there's a lot of recognizable faces in here. Oh, there sure is. Hey, do you know who's in there? Fred Williamson from from Dust Till Dawn fame. The guy with the, the wiener that's the uh, the gun. Remember that guy? That was him, right? I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie again, not to see The Gun Wiener, but just because it's been a long time since I've watched From Dust Till Dawn. I'm pretty sure it was him. I'm just going to have to type Gun Wiener online and see what comes up. (laughs) Oh, be careful with that. (laughs) Gun Wiener. (laughs) He was was also in Inglorious Bastards and a bunch of other things. Like, all these guys have been in a bunch of stuff. Um, George Went played Thomas. Obviously, he's from Cheers, and it was fun to see him sitting at a bar again. Like, he was probably like, oh, you want me to sit at a bar? Yeah, I'll do that. I, I thought he was criminally underused in this movie, though, unfortunately. 
Doug, another one of the, the grizzled old veterans, was played by David Patrick Kelly, who was from Twin Peaks, The Crow, and the John Wick movies. Oh, for God's sakes, that was 100% incorrect. It wasn't Fred Williamson. Your memory is such an awful thing. It was goddamn uh, Sorvini or whatever the hell his name. Sorvi- you know, the, the special effects dude. Savini? Yeah. Tom Savini? Tom Savini, that's the guy with the, the wiener gun. My apologies. Walter is played by William Sadler, who is from approximately 175 movies, including uh, The Tales from the Crypts, Bordello of Blood, and Demon Knight, as well as Die Hard 2. Um, and Fred, played by Stephen Lang. Now, this one, this one hit me because I just recently watched this, but he, he starred in Don't Breathe, which if you guys haven't watched Don't Breathe yet, you got to check that out. It's uh, I watched it. There you go. Me so, too. You both have seen Don't Breathe. Well, there you go. Wait, I'm maybe surprised. we should do an episode on Don't Breathe. Maybe we should. I'm, you know, talk about being typecast. Poor old Stephen Lang here has played a grizzled old veteran in two straight horror movies. And he's done a goddamn bang-up job. Yeah, he was actually pretty good. Um, guys, I have an episode of uh, Watch Out Horror Trivia for you guys now. Oh, oh my god, my it's god. the favorite. But the Watch Out Horror Trivia is related to the cast of VFW. Let's do it, Grave Robin Jason. <laughs> oh. I think... <laughs> Jason the Terrible. Are you guys ready? Do we have our buzz-in sounds? Oh, God. Uh, I have a, a very good feeling I won't know any of these questions. No, I'm going to make them so that even if you don't... It's multiple choice. There's <laughs> two questions. Four possible answers. I don't want you jumping in until you've heard all four answers. And then you have to buzz in. All right? Hold on, hold on. I'm not ready. Bang. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but that's if you get it wrong. What? That's the, if you get it wrong. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. Trivia question number one. Which Stephen King adaption did William Sadler not star in? Oh, shit. (laughs) You got to wait for the ABCD, damn it. Oh, I didn't mean, okay, go, go, go. All right. Trivia question number one. Which Stephen King adaptation did William Sadler not star in? A, The Green Mile. B, The Shawshank Redemption, C, The Running Man, or D, The Mist. Slice and Dice and Dave. It's got to be D, The Mist. You're wrong. Ah. Oh, hold on. Maybe I got to replay this thing then. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was wrong. My apologies. (laughs) All right. So, Grave Robber Jeff, you want to take a guess now? Is it... Is it A, The Green Mile, B, The Shawshank Redemption, or C, The Running Man? I'll say C, The Running Man. You are correct. Hey, I guessed. (laughs) (laughs) Was William Sadler death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Yes, he was. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah, Yeah, that's that's awesome. I didn't include that in the in the casting, but it probably should have. That's a that's an incredible movie. I almost started going into all the movies that William Sadler was in, but then I realized I had written a trivia question about the Stephen King one, so I had to be deft ah, on my that's feet. Smart okay, right. let's get to. I got I got to get on, number two hang. right. Oh yeah, let's go. Let's go. Trivia question number two now. 
Which 1986 horror movie did George Went also star in? A. House. B. Critters. C. April Fool's Day. Or D. Poltergeist 2. Slice and Dice and Dave. House, mother effer. Yeah, he did. He starred in House. Yeah! I love House. That's a great film. Oh, what the? Something's going wrong over here, fellas. What the? Ah! Ah! Oh, that's a good one. House! Take that, Jeff. We're even. I, I would have guessed. I did. I don't have a third trivia question as a as a tiebreaker, but I have an interesting piece of trivia that I might try to turn into a trivia question here. Well, let us let us let us be the judge of that. All right, trivia question number three, and this is for tiebreaking bragging rights. I'm making this one up on the spot. I've just turned this interesting bit of trivia into an actual trivia question. All right. Special effects for VFW were done by Bob Trevino. The question is, which of these following four movies did Bob Trevino also do the special effects for? A. Shaun of the Dead. B. It Follows. C. Suspiria, the remake. Or D. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Bing! Grave robber. I'll say C, Suspiria. You are incorrect. Ah. Ooh, slice and dice and day. Yes. Gotta be Ace Ventura when nature calls because he's my favorite actor of all time, Jim Carrey. It is Ace Ventura when nature calls. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty dramatic, I guess. All right, great. That's awesome. Thanks, everybody. I'm the winner this week. Yeah. Nice try there, Great <clears throat> Robin Jeff. Good for you there, Slicing. Well, that was kind of a random one, you know what I'm saying? So I said well, it's got to be Ace Ventura. Yeah, I was trying to make a point with that. I don't remember scenes like this in Ace Ventura when nature calls. He does come out of the rhinoceros's butt. Remember that? <laughs> that was pretty sick. Unbelievable. That is true. Gentlemen, should we get on to our ratings for this movie? Let's get into our rating segments, then. My favorite part of the episode. So, scary rating. What would you give it, Slicen? I'd give it a zero out of ten. It wasn't scary at all. You couldn't put yourself in their shoes and uh, be a little scared that there were a bunch of people trying to break down the door? Well, that's not the question there, Jason the Terrible. I would be scared shitless if I were in that situation. No, no. Uh, as a viewer, I was not scared at all. A zero out of ten. Interesting. I, I'm going to give it like a one just because, you know, it was dark and creepy and there were drugged out guys who were a little hostile. I'd have to give it at least a one just because it wasn't a walk in the park with lots of flowers and stuff. But um, I, I had... I guess, I guess you're right. See, Jeff, he, he makes us... He opens our eyes. Please go on. I, I want to hear what you have to say. All I'm saying is I had 
it wasn't that scary because I had a lot of confidence in the uh, veterans that they were going to take care of business. So I'm like, get on with it. Let's beat up these guys type of thing. So I wasn't really fearful for them, even though they didn't necessarily um, get through it unscathed, uh, shall we say. Good point. All right, what comes next? Disturbometer? Grave Rubber, you you uh, created the disturbometer, so what does your disturbometer say? Yeah, I think if the lighting was better, it would be a lot more disturbing. But um, based on the stuff that was visible, it was still still pretty brutal violence, so if, if you can't handle that, you'll be disturbed by it. Uh, so yeah, let's give it like a 7-ish on the disturbometer, just because heads meet a lot of uh, unfortunate demises. There, you know, I didn't think heads were so fragile when it came to what would happen if, oh, oh my God. Oh with, God. With, with knees and feet and stuff. It's I like, was going to say that, that kneeing scene was, that's the best scene of the whole movie. I don't think you can disagree with me there. Anybody? There's the a, kneeing scene? Cl- clearly what it says is if you do drugs, your skull will become fragile. <laughs> It'll become mush. <laughs> Gross. This is your brain um, on drugs. This is your brain sorry. on the floor. Then <laughs> there's um, also like over the top stuff too, like the flagpole, right? Although I don't know if we should mention that. But. Oh yeah, no, the flagpole is a scene that most people will oh. recognize what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to talk about the gory rating, which I'm going <laughs> to, oh. which I'm going to, which I'm going to put at a good seven and a half. And I think in in for this, well, is it seven and a half? I'm going to bump it up to eight. It was pretty gory. But you couldn't see a lot of it. Fast-paced action in bad lighting. There was some that you could see. There's there's a scene where they're sticking their arm through the door and they uh, they hack at it until you know it falls off. That's that's pretty gory. But there's a lot that's going on that you can't see. A lot more that's implied than you might not realize until you really sit back and analyze it in slow motion. Gross. So all I'm going to say is that the disturbometer and the gore meter are, are in lockstep on this one because that's where this disturbing content comes from. It's There's nothing to the story that's disturbing that isn't covered by the gore. That's a good point. Yeah, so uh, my gore meter here, or gore rating out of 10, is a, is a hard or an easy... Yeah, I'm going to call it an easy 8, and it could potentially have been more. But uh, I thought it was pretty goddamn gory. You know what I'm saying? Like, what else? What else do you need for gore, man? You know what? I guess there wasn't like any intestines or anything flopping around anywhere. But uh, there was a lot of blood, a lot of skulls being cracked in and slicing and dicing. So yeah, definitely an eight out of ten. Let's talk about the. Hold on, what have we done? Scary, gory, slash disturbo. Oh, I didn't do my uh, who, gory rating. Oh yeah. So, what's your gory rating there, Grave Robber Jeff? Yeah, these ratings are so tricky, because I, I just gave a 10 out of 10 for Autopsy, so then I was comparing that to this movie, and there's there's way more gore in this movie, but it's just not as... as Disturbing. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. So I, I would come in on, a, on an 8, just because a lot of it you couldn't see, and a lot of it was very repetitive. It's pretty damn gory, though. It sure is. And now we move on to the hoots and such. Well, there wasn't any hoots or such in this movie. There was a little discussion about hoots and such, but there weren't any in this. So that leads us to our final ratings, gentlemen. Slice and Dice and Dave, what do you give VFW? VFW. 
while I tell you what, it's not much more than a pleasure-filled gore fest of epic proportions. I just gave it a 6 out of 10 because there's not much to it, but I kind of liked what there was in it. You know what I'm saying? 6 out of 10. For me, it is what it is, but it's not really my style of show, so I, I just gave it a 5 out of 10. I also gave it a 5 out of 10. Ouch! <laughs> I enjoyed the senseless violence as senseless violence. There's there's a place for that. It's just I have a problem with characters making stupid decisions in movies, and this this movie had a lot of that, and it had a lot of things that didn't make sense. So sometimes I just can't turn off my brain when I'm watching things like this, and that's that's why it drops down for me. Rotten Tomatoes gave this 81% critic positive and only 60% audience positive. So that's interesting. I would have thought it would be the other way around by quite a fair margin, but... Yeah, I would have agreed with you there. And IMDb is coming up at 6.1, which is in line with the, the audience review for Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic is at 72 out of 100, and Letterbox is 3.2 out of 5. So hovering right around that 60 to 70% level. All right, any final thoughts, you guys, on, on VFW? We didn't talk about the fact that it was uh, filmed in Dallas, Texas, and premiered in late 2019 in, on the festival circuit, but was released on Valentine's Day in 2020. Get out of town. You know, I, I can imagine taking your sweetheart to a movie theater for a Valentine's Day showing and watching VFW. I guess the timeline works out that movie theaters were still open in February 2020. So maybe this is one of the last movies that you took your sweetheart to watch. It may have been. Plus, your sweetheart probably wasn't your sweetheart after you brought them to that. But yeah, man. We also didn't talk about that this was directed by Joe Begos who also directed Almost Human, Bliss, and The Mind's Eye, all of which I haven't actually seen. I've noticed that a lot of people are saying a lot of good things about Joe. You know, he's someone that's worth watching going forward. See what he can come up with next. The best Scanner sequel we never got, The Mind's Eye, directed by Joe Bigos. All right, so that's it for our review of VFW. Next week, we're going to be reviewing a movie picked by Slicin' Dyson Dave. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> How exciting. Grave Robber Jeff and Slicin' Dyson Dave, thank you very much for bringing your awesome insights again this week. Thank you, Jason the Terrible, and thank you, Grave Robber and Jeff. Grave Robber, I gotta say that that pick of Autopsy was, uh, I was not expecting you to pick a movie like that, so good for you. Hey, do you know what I'm gonna do there, guys, right now? I'm gonna go and watch about 30 minutes of it while I fall asleep. Because of you, Grave Robin Jeff. See, not only are you hopefully helping our listeners, you're helping me, pal. I'm going to watch it right now. I'm curious what you'll think of it. And thank you to you, our listeners, for sticking it out to the end of episode two. As always, you can reach us at watchouthorror at gmail.com or on Twitter at watchouthorror. We'd love to hear from you to see what you thought of these movies. And you can let us know if there are any movies you think we should be watching. So, until next time, and there will be a next time, be safe, treat each other well, and go watch some horror movies. You guys were all, like, nicely uh, prepared, and I'm not so nice <laughs>
So this is stupid. The movie that I watched is a sequel. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, that'll give you something um, to talk about. Oh my god. How am I going to do this now? You yep. can borrow my copy anytime there. Ter- oh shit. You can borrow my copy anytime. Jay. Great, Robin Jeff, you can borrow my copy anytime.